Hi, and welcome to And If Love Remains. I am your host, Mike Levitt, and I have on the line today, Coach Daryl Johnson from In Your Corner Fitness. I'm super excited to have him on. We're going to talk about some great things. Great friend of the show. He's been on before. Thanks for being on, Daryl. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was so impressed. I had such a great time with you um, at our last podcast. And, and we talked about different things. We talked about weight loss. We talked about, um, we, we primarily talked about weight loss. And, and in lieu of that, we talked, you know, mostly about diet. And, and which is, you know, as I think as you mentioned, it's about 80% of the, the way to go, you know, the, 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 the solution to weight loss. But I want to talk a little bit more about exercise because I think there's a lot of confusion about that. There definitely is, yeah, and it's a very important part of this of the equation too. Absolutely, and and you know what? In fact, I want to start here, um, and it, it kind of um, I want to throw something into the mix because I've heard like there's a big um, I don't want to call it a fad because I think it's something that's real and it's something that that um, there's some science to it. But the idea of fasting, and and I want to want to bring this into um, exercise because I've heard it the claim being that that um, fasting and exercise kind of, um, while you're not going to be building muscle through fasting, um, it does have some of the, some similar physiological effects. And I, and I just, I don't know, is that something that, that you've studied? Is that something that you've looked into at all? Are you talking about fasting? Like, uh, like intermittent, intermittent fasting, fasting okay. um, you know, maybe, maybe like the, the, the classic, you know, 16, eight or, or uh, right, one right. meal a day kind of a thing. Okay. So the, the biggest benefit honestly, of intermittent fasting or what we call time-restricted feeding is it's not so much a metabolic adaptation as a behavioral one. So the reality is if, if I don't want to give you a window of seven or eight hours to eat all your food, you're just going to eat less food. Um, so it's very beneficial. And as a behavioral modification, that might be exactly what works for somebody. Okay, There are a few hormonal influences that fasting does. I, I mean, and you can go off in a rabbit hole on this, but the reality is, <clears throat> for the average uh, American force, let's say, or you know, or North American, so they're all pretty hefty. Um, the be biggest benefit is going to be a behavioral switch. And for me, like when I, for, for in my personal life, when I um, try to, let's say I have a target, I, I want to, you know, get to a certain weight, or I want to have a certain objective, or train for a certain event, I find that having really clear-cut uh, parameters, whether it's uh, I'm going to do this much exercise, or I'm going to eat this much caloric intake, or I'm going to only eat this window, I find that having those clear-cut parameters make it a lot easier for me to follow a program right. and stay on track. Um, I, I think most people have the same kind of thing. So if I say, all right, you can only eat from noon to 8 p.m. every day. Um, and, and honestly, if, if I had the, a typical client and I said, all right, you can eat from noon to 8, you know, 8-hour window, and you can eat really whatever you want. I mean, obviously, you can, you know, that giving them that freedom almost seems like uh, for some people, like, okay, I'm not really on a diet. I just can only eat eight hours a day. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's a psychological thing more than it is a biological thing. And uh, if people are, you know, even halfway interested in getting results, they think, okay, well, I'm going to eat whatever I want, but I'm still going to try to like eat like a civilized human. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> if you do that, you know, probably get really good results. But honestly, the, the metabolic and, and the hormonal switch is pretty minor. 
it's really in line with that. I mean, it's me- I, I suppose it's measurable, uh, but I would say in the grand scheme of things, it's it's a tiny, tiny portion <clears throat> of the results. And really, the biggest benefit is a behavior modification. You know, it's interesting. We we live and and you know we could take this into a whole bunch of aspects of life, uh, as far as living in America in the 21st century. But we are really a. Um, uh, it seems like our biggest problem is abundance. <laughs> you know, like there's we we have too much time, too much stuff, too much mm-hmm. food, too much, and 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 it's almost like being able to, um, uh, as you put put a frame around you know, time restricted eating, for example, as you said, or, or, or having a, a coach, uh, you know, who, to, to help you with an exercise program to help put a frame around it. It limits our options and really makes, it gives us a better chance of success. Well, humans, I mean, people in general love structure. I mean, as much as like, like, you know, you know, you know I talked before about liberty and freedom, which is great, but as a society, and, and we're wired, you know, we are a social creature. Structure is important. So we're kind of like ingrained to like uh, embrace that, especially when we see, when we see a benefit to that. <clears throat> so, um, you know, when you provide a structure or, and you have uh, a leader, a coach, a authority figure saying, here, here's what I recommend you do. I'm going to, you know, help you get through this, whether it's exercise or eating or, you know, uh, learning a language or instrument, whatever it is. Um, that structure I find is very important. And what I find is uh, people in general are really bad about self-structure. And I don't know if that's uh, just a component of our society today being where things are pretty easy. Whereas before, if you didn't have structure, you just didn't have enough food for your family in the winter and you'd all die. Or if it's just um, a biological thing that, you know, people, we always like to have the next level up. You know, we always want to have a higher authority guiding us, you know, whether it's a, a deity, whether it's a, a government figure, whether it's a parent, whether it's a, a, a mentor, whether it's a supervisor, whatever it is. Uh, again, we're a social creature. So um, those kind of uh, architectural designs in society. Are right. Those hierarchies really, we, 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 we mold into those really easily. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of our, I don't think that's a necessarily bad thing. It's just the way we're designed. Right. Um, so I wanted to discuss, um, different sorts of exercises and, and put yeah. some definitions together, um, you know, and, and so I'm going to throw, throw a few things out. And, and what I'm hoping is maybe this talk about when these sorts of exercises are good for people, when maybe they're, they're not as effective. I um, mean, maybe this talk in terms of effective and not as effective. Sure. Um, and I think um, and the first one I want to discuss is one that was really popular, you know, when I went to health class in, in middle school and high school, and that's the classic, you know, aerobic exercise. And, and, and what does that mean? And, um, you know, why, why is that? What, it seemed like that was really pushed in schools um, years ago. I don't know if it is so much anymore, but um, what's the benefit of aerobic exercise and, and what can that give somebody? Okay. Well, aerobic exercise basically means the exertion level is low enough where you can provide the energy for the activity by converting oxygen into uh you know, the energy source. So the mitochondria in the cells can, can convert that. Uh, you're basically converting the body fat with oxygen into, uh, you know, uh, energy, adenosine, triphosphate, et cetera. <laughs> now, uh, is it good? Yes. And the benefits are, well, the first benefit is you're moving. So you are, you're using your body through space. And that's important. Uh, you know, we don't do enough of that today. Our, our, our bodies are designed to move and be active. 
like all living creatures that are, you know, on terrestrial, especially, I mean, unless you're like a sponge and you're living on the seafloor. <clears throat> the other benefits are um, you get your, your circulatory system gets, a, you know, gets kind of primed. Your heart, your lungs are working. Um, and you're able to do this exercise at, for some time because the, since you're using your body fat conversion with oxygen, um, you could, you have a, <clears throat> I wouldn't say a, an ex, uh, a never ending source of energy, but it's pretty substantial, you know, but it's, it's important to keep in mind, this is a low relative, relative is to the person, obviously someone who's an elite athlete might have a different level of exertion. Right. It's a relatively lo low level of, of exertion. Uh, like for most people walk, actually it's just living in everyday life is aerobic, you know, as you're sitting at your desk, you know, writing on your keyboard, you're using, uh, you know, the, the exertion level so low, you're going to be converting oxygen and body fat to keep that going. Um, <clears throat> but the biggest benefit is for Americans, and again, the North Americans, obviously most of our North American countries are overweight and uh, have health problems related to that, is you're moving, you're using more calories than you would if you were just sitting around watching TV. Um, and obviously, if you're training for an event that requires that activity, uh, you're doing a triathlon, a marathon, a 5K, then that would be a good, a good use of your time. The reality is, since the exertion level is relatively low, that's a great place to start with somebody who's not in an exercise program already. And, and how, what would be like the signs, you know, of somebody who's in an aerobic state? Like, um, you know, are they breathing heavy? Like, what does that, what does that look like to somebody? It, basically, if you're using a level of, of uh, conversion of energy that's in the aerobic zone, you should be able to hold a conversation relatively easily um, while you're doing the activity. So again, if you're walking with your friend and you can have a conversation, you're probably fine. If you get to the point where your breathing increases, where you have to like say a few words, take a few breaths, then you're, you're moving into the anaerobic zone, uh, um, you know, which is going to convert uh, you know, muscle sugar and, and uh, phosphate molecules of energy. <clears throat> which is good for its own reasons, but that's not aerobic and obviously not sustainable for a very, very long period of time. So basically a conversation you can hold is a pretty good indication you're in the aerobic zone or the, uh, I hate to call it a fat burning zone because everything burns fat, but that's where the, the primary source is conversion of body fat combined with oxygen to create energy. And, and what's the, like, you know, I don't want to say people should avoid it. I, you know, th that's not what I'm trying to say, but, but if somebody is, is looking to at what goals um, would not be suitable for somebody who's trying to do or, or, or using aerobic exercises? Well, if you're trying to maximally build muscle mass, then <clears throat> excessive aerobic uh, exercise is going to actually detract from that because your body only has so much, it's a finite amount of recovery. <clears throat> so if you're using recovery to, you know, uh, you know, basically replenish exercise uh, induced loss through aerobics, then you're taking away some of your recovery for massive for, for muscle mass gain. So if you're a bodybuilder, a power lifter, uh, a sprinter, you know, where the primary uh, source of your energy is going to be that high intensity uh, anaerobic exercise or anaerobic you know, activity, then too much aerobic activity is not great. Although some is always good. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, so if you're trying to Make, build muscle mass, uh, then uh, hours and hours a week of, of aerobic exercise is not ideal. And, and I'm kind of hanging on this, this subject a little bit because, again, this is, you know, the, the 80s, 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. I mean, this is what was taught in school as the premier exercise that everybody should be going for. Well, I'll tell you why that is. Because when you, um, 
when you're in the aerobic zone, this is use that word. This is when I, when I first started personal training. It was a big thing too. This is back in the nineties. <clears throat> it was like, Oh, get in the fat burning zone. Well, the reality is, is yes, the majority of the energy that you are creating in that zone is coming from the conversion of body fat. Okay, that, that part's true. However, the total caloric expenditure is relatively low compared to weight training or high intensity training. So the total number of calories that you're going to be, the, the deficit you create is less. So you're, it's a really weird, it's the mathematical equations we get there. You know, you, your heart rate minus your resting heart rate, your maximum heart rate, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter uh, that much. It's just that it was like, well, since the majority of the calories come from fat, that's where we should go. And that's on paper, that makes sense, but that doesn't work out very well in the reality, in the real world. Again, if you're just starting out, that's fantastic. But then how much right. the percentage of body fat that's converted is irrelevant. What you're looking for is there's two things. One is how many calories are you going to uh, use to create a deficit? And the metabolic uh, adaptation to that is, is what's more important than like, oh, well, I converted 72% of the calories in this workout by burning body fat. And that was the, the that's why it became such a big deal. And it's on the surface, it makes sense, but it really isn't that big a deal. It, just, it isn't that uh, useful in the long term. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and, and um, you know, whether we're talking about high intensity training or, or, or weightlifting, um, you know, they talk about anaerobic exercises. What's the difference? What's the, you know, what's the downside and, and, and why would somebody consider and, and let's just talk generally anaerobic. Yeah. What is that? Well, anaerobic is, is just basically means the exertion that you are, you are putting your body through requires a level of energy that you cannot create through just the conversion of body fat and oxygen. <clears throat> so anything that creates your heart rate coming up or your, your, your you know, respiratory rate coming up where you can't have that conversation we talked about before is anaerobic. Um, <clears throat> the big benefits of anaerobic exercise is that you'll, you'll burn more calories in a certain amount of time, uh, provided you're able to continue the activity. And it tends to elicit a more dramatic metabolic response uh, during and after the exercise, which is what I think is more important for a weight, weight loss program. Mm. Um, because you'll have what's called a, an exercise-induced post-oxygen consumption, <clears throat> basically like an afterburn. So if you push your body harder than the aerobic level, if you, if you do an aerobic exercise, you walk for 40 minutes, you'll burn, you know, 160, whatever it is, depends on your body mass and all that stuff. Then as soon as you stop doing the activity, your, your body metabolism returns back to baseline, which is fine. When you do high intensity training or anaerobic training, especially if it's really hard, um, after the activity, your body is still recovering from that, and you're still going to be using exercise uh, oxygen to recover from that. So you're, you get a metabolic bump, and uh, that's one of the cool things about anaerobic training is, is you get this, um, I wouldn't say free calorie burn, but it kind of is. <clears throat> the downside is is since it is more intense by definition there's uh, if you're not prepared for that if you're not in that kind of shape there's a chance you might have negative consequences and the activities are generally more impact at running or sprinting or you know weight training um, so there's a higher chance of injury um, mm -hmm. so people very rarely injure themselves walking unless you trip you know but right. people often hurt themselves running or sprinting or, you know, doing a, a, a high intensity weight training or, you know, box jumping on plyo boxes, those kind of things that get the heart rate up are, you know, have a higher chance of causing an injury. So that's the downside. 
um, and there's more wear and tear on the joints, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to balance that risk to the reward. Again, if, if I was prescribing somebody an exercise program to lose weight, if they were totally out of shape, it would be a lot of aerobic and probably some resistance training. If they were in decent shape, I would be having a lot more of the anaerobic type training along with resistance training. But okay, so yeah, talk to me this 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 talk to me about resistance training versus anaerobic because I guess I I kind of conflated those two a little bit. Well, they're uh, they're both anaerobic, so you're right. Okay. So generally speaking, if if I as a coach, if, when I say resistance training, I I mean someone who's working an activity at an intense level that doesn't allow them to keep the activity going for more than like let's say a minute, maybe forty five seconds. So if you were doing um, squats. And let's say you could do squats for, for two minutes and then you, then you fatigued or, you know, you fit failure. That would probably be, that would well, almost certainly be anaerobic, but it wouldn't necessarily be what I would consider resistance training, although it is resistance training. So when I say resistance training, I want somebody to experience muscle fatigue, you know, a high level of muscle fatigue or even failure. I would say in under a minute, uh, honestly, 45 seconds is better. And that will stimulate, that would generally will stimulate muscle repair and growth provided the volume isn't too high. If you do too much of that, then you, you know, as you tear the muscles down and you overwork them, if you don't allow them to recover, then you will not get the benefit of, of having a stronger, more uh, voluminous muscle, you know, the next, you know, in the next right. few days. So that's where a lot of people screw this up. It's like, oh, you know, go hard or go home. And then they just, they go, well, if I'm doing, you know, a 30-minute session of, of resistance training, then a 45-minute session has got to be better. And then you're, again, your body only has a finite amount of recovery ability. <clears throat> so if you're doing anaerobic and you're doing, you know, um, if you're doing running and jogging, which is also, which is, which is anaerobic and, and you're doing weight training, you know, and you're doing a sports specific skill, maybe you're playing volleyball or water polo or, you know, or whatever, that's asking a lot of your body to recover. And this is how you get overuse injuries. And this is how you install your progress. Now you'll probably lose a lot of weight as long as your eating is online because your, your caloric deficit is going to be impressive. But, you know, as a machine, and our body is a machine, you have to service and have maintenance time. You can't just, you know, go, 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 and expect no ill results. And this is yeah. a, a real common issue with, you know, people who want to go big or go home. What, one of the things that I've started doing, and I'm, I'm very much out of shape, but in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've tried to um, kind of a little sprinting regimen where at my front yard, I'll, I'll, you know, run back and forth, you know, uh, as fast as I can, which is not nearly as fast as I used to. Yeah, it's all relative though. It's yeah, relative. but, uh, you know, I would do sets of 10 back and forth. And then, by you know, by the time I'm 10, I could barely breathe. And then once I catch my right. breath, I do it again. And I'll do that three sets. And, um, you know, I, I've enjoyed it. I think it's I think it's really helped me. Again, I've only been doing it about a week or so. But, but you're right. Like, I can feel by that third set, like, I'm – I'm genuinely concerned that I'm going to roll an ankle sometimes, you know, that, that yeah. something, something bad could happen. But, but I, I do, I do feel um, much better after doing that. I think mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, I think that's, it does change. It does change our, our metabolic state. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and you're right. The, the reason people will often get injured with these activities is as your muscles fatigue, your obviously your coordination and your muscle control diminishes. So yeah, you, this is when you have to be careful. This is why you know anaerobic high intensity activity can be risky, but the benefits are are really good. So you know, like yeah, what you're doing is 
exactly what I prescribe someone to do. If they're, you know, as long as they're able to do it, they have the healthy and their joints are in good shape, you know, sprinting, the thing is sprinting is, you know, it's a natural activity. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, of activities that are a natural motion of our body. Like, whereas if I doing weight training, I have to train somebody how to properly do this activity. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, you know how to run. I mean, obviously now there's coaches that, that will like look at your gait and they'll do electronics. They'll, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, as a human being, provided you, you have normal anatomy, you, right. you know how to run. So I think sprinting is an amazingly effective uh, method and modology because you know how to do it. You're not putting any extra uh, uh, loads on that are in an unnatural way. So let's, even if you're overweight, your body is, is, is used to that. It's not like you're putting on a 60 pound weight vest and now you've shifted your center of mass and, you know, yeah. you, could, you know, you could potentially end yourself because your body's not acclimated to move that way through space. So I'm a huge fan of sprints as a high intensity training because of those reasons, the chance of injury is relatively low and I don't have to train you how to do it. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and, and I th- I found it interesting what you said that, that if somebody is, is completely out of shape, you know, you would, you'd start them with, with an aerobic activity with, um, uh, strength training, resistance training. Now is, I assume that is to, to build up their muscles, their ligaments, those type of things so that they can eventually move on to some higher intensity. Yes. Work. Well, and, and the, the biggest benefit of strength training or, or, or resistance. So, I, so for me, I have, you know, you're basically your aerobic, your anaerobic, which I consider like, you know, your higher intensity cardiovascular and then resistance training, which is okay. still anaerobic. So the, the benefit of resistance training is the production of, again, that metabolic boost we talked about before, but more importantly, the accumulation of lean tissue through adaptation. And the, the lean tissue does a couple of things. It obviously makes you stronger. So everyday life is just easier if you're getting groceries out of the car or picking up your kids. But the more lean tissue you have, the higher your basal metabolic rate. So the, the more calories you burn every day existing, which makes weight loss easier because well, you know, um, if you add a few pounds of muscle to your frame, which is not as easy as it sounds, now your re- requirements for daily caloric expenditure go up. So if you change nothing else and you're eating, you're going to start seeing a caloric deficit. So resistance training has amazing benefits, um, but it has to be done safely. If you just grab a barbell and start swinging it around in the old way, then there's a chance you're going to hit fail. You're, you're, you're going to um, hurt yourself. Right. Uh, you know, and again, it may not be in one. Uh, one session, it might be micro trauma over time because your your form is off, or you're, you know, you're doing it too ballistically, or too um, often, <laughs> or too often. Yeah, you, you get this, uh, that kind of intensity is not only is it physiological, it's a neurological recovery. Your body has to, especially if you're just starting out. Obviously, if you're an, if you're an Olympic weightlifter, you're going to lift weights explosively every single day in some way, right. shape, or form. Because that's what you have been doing for years. But if you get a dude who jumps into uh, a, a not a I don't want to say CrossFit, bad, but I've seen some CrossFit or tight gyms that don't have great coaching. You yeah. get a guy who's a weekend warrior, he jumps into this and he's doing, you know, snatches and overhead, you know, uh, kettlebell swings and he's that without minimal training. And man, that that's where you can get in trouble. So, well, um, I think especially, are- you know, somebody like me who, you know, I was an athlete. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I'm not going to take that mon- moniker anymore, <laughs> but, I, you know, I played football, basketball, baseball in high school. I was, you know, very athletic through growing up, um, you know, and then over time it, it, it got to where it's it's not. I think somebody like that who feels they're still invincible, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're, you know, 35, 45, you know, they jump back into a CrossFit. That's going to be the first thing that they do is, is think they're still 18. 
Yeah. It, it, the biggest thing, it really boils down to good coaching. And I, I have some, like, let's say CrossFit, for example, I have some friends of mine who have been doing this a long time. They were in, you know, early CrossFit sort of, and they are really good. And they're very, very diligent about form and technique and, you know, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm not going to bang on CrossFit because it could happen anywhere, but right. You know, it, it, they are the big player in, in this kind of. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're funny. The reputation nowadays is, is for causing injuries more than causing amazing body results, which is unfortunate because they yeah. do you know do amazing things. <clears throat> but I've seen a lot of uh, subpar coaching and uh, in, in anything, even martial arts too. Um, so yeah, that's important. I mean, I want people to be excited about a program, and and because obviously I talked about last last time. The best exercise program is the one that you enjoy doing. And yeah, for doing. sure. You know, so so if you enjoy that, if you enjoy sprints, if you enjoy CrossFit, if you enjoy weightlifting, if you enjoy you know jujitsu, you're going to do that. But good coaching is really the the, the most important thing, so you have long term success. Again, I can go back to the sprinting and walking. Those are great because you don't need to be coached in that. Yeah, uh, you could be. I mean, we all need coaches. I, you know, I've been in martial arts for over thirty years, and I still have martial arts instructors that coach me because I want to improve but well and, and when you're doing the, the other thing is is you can uh you know if you're able to do the activity you're able to maybe coach on a more um you know uh, macro level like you can talk big picture and what you're trying to do versus you know trying to get the technique exactly right i'm um, mm-hmm. not that that's not important but, but I, th- I think like people people like to know why they're doing something <laughs> You know, yeah, especially uh, in our culture, we're a big Y culture, which is, you know, absolutely is very important, and I like that. Me too. Um, and it should be more of that, actually. But yeah, so so to reiterate, you know, the 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 high the resistance training things that cause you to basically give up or fail because of exertion in less than a minute are really really um, I wouldn't say the cornerstone, but I'd say one of the most important parts of a good program if you're if you're looking to make changes quickly um anaerobics anything that, that basically causes you to lose your breath to the point where you can't have a conversation it's going to be a little faster path to get there and aerobics you know is a great gateway and it's still important even like i went yesterday i did a hike for like an hour and 45 minutes it was more of a nature walk but it was it felt good you know i mean i, I didn't really get yeah. my heart rate up other than a few hills but you know i want my heart and lungs working right and i want them to you know the machine to function right and we're, we're designed to move we so are designed to, to move yeah, you have to pick, put time aside, even if it's a walk around your neighborhood for 20 minutes every other day. That you know, kind of stuff is, is important. And I think I and and you know I I think I need to have you on for this other conversation because it's this will go down. Excuse me, a rabbit hole. But mm-hmm. but we are designed to move. Our brain. The reason we have a brain is to move, and and to help us get what we need. And um uh but 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 for so first of all, we're talking to Coach Daryl Johnson of in your corner fitness. I really appreciate your time. I want to talk about one other thing. And then um, sure. I want to talk about your, your YouTube channel, but, but before that, I want to talk about something that I've, I've heard a lot about. Um, sometimes I feel like I experience myself and this is idea of, and, and I hate, I absolutely hate blaming others or blaming something else other than myself, <laughs> you know, you know, for a problem well, that that's I have. A healthy mindset. <laughs> it's what I try to do. Um, but this idea of, of a carb addiction and that this term kind of is thrown out, you know, um, and, but, and honestly, I can kind of relate to that a little bit, you know, where I'm just, you know, 
wanting sugar, wanting uh, bread, you know, wanting something that, that I know is not good for me. But talk about that mindset. Is that is sure. that just a uh, psychological thing or? Well, is that it, a- there's a lot of different opinions in this. And I don't this the, the uh, science behind it is a little bit back and forth. So the one school of thought is, is that the, uh, you know, the neurotransmitters are fired up when you eat carb, carb heavy sources. And the, the thought process is that because biologically, and this is, this part's true is in, in our evolutionary history, um, uh, high carbohydrate or high carbohydrate dense sources of, of food were pretty few and far between, you know, fruits would only, you know, ripen certain times a year. Uh, maybe you'd find a, a, a beehive where they had honey. Um, you know, so for most of our, our evolutionary history, our food sources were very high in fat, like fat and protein, for example, you know, meats, animal products, you know, and our carb sources were, were uh, you know, vegetables or two. And generally speaking, they, they didn't have a very high um, carb content for their for their weight, their weight. Uh, and obviously the, the, and they were the, different and they were completely different. I mean, those fruits and vegetables that they ate, you know, uh, uh, you know, three millennia ago are completely different oh, than the modern ones we have today. Right. Between genetic, genetic splicing and just uh, selective breeding an, an apple, you know, our average apple, you know, the size of your fist. So that wasn't the case thousands of years ago. Apples were like the size of, you know, plums for the right. most part. And much more <laughs> sour. Know? And yeah. So it's more of a the, crab apple, probably. Yeah, well, that's not that. Yeah, exactly. That's more what what you would experience <clears throat> before ag- the agricultural revolution, um, and uh, the ability to you know have greenhouses where you can grow things like that out of season. Um, so the train of thought is that biologically we are trained to seek out carb sources because they they have a lot, a lot of calories, and uh, it was very uh, unusual for us to find them. And now that they're in everyday place, and one of the reasons is, is like especially grain products are very easy to store. You can have a field of wheat, harvest it, dry it out, put it in a silo for years or in bags. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a great uh, long-term solution to famine. <clears throat> the problem is, is the caloric impact versus the nutritional density is very high. It's not a it's it's what you would call almost like a, almost like a, like a junk food because. There's let's say 100 calories of a, of a you know a sugar-based or grain-based food product like cold cereal or bread. <clears throat> There's very little positive nutrition in, in that 100 calories. For us, got 100 calories of meat or 100 calories of a, of like broccoli or spinach or you know um, then you're, it's, it's a very different level of nutritional uh, density. So um, the so that's one train of thought is that we're just wired that way. The other train of thought is is that okay well you know the dopamine and, and the, the neurotransmitters such a response is so strong it's like a, almost like a, like a drug like a cocaine kind of thing whereas we have to have the fix and honestly so let me put this way so let's say you are a typical american you eat a lot of sugar if i put a bowl of sugar and a teaspoon in front of you i'm not sure that you would be compelled to eat it you know mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so is a sugar addiction? Is it is it an addiction or is it just a preference or is it just a biological, you know, um, strength? So I, I'm not sure I, sugar addiction is the right word because if it was addiction, obviously if I put a bowl of, of table sugar in front of you and a spoon, you, you would, you would, you would oh, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. Right. However, we, we do have a strong preference towards sweet things, uh, you know, especially kids, especially just, you know, carbohydrate sources, if they're sweet, Generally, there's a lot of calories for what you're eating. And again, in our history, before I would say the industrial revolution, 
that would have been really beneficial. Um, obviously, with a sedentary lifestyle and our ease of access to food in the Western society, it's a detriment. Um, so I believe there's a little bit of a, I believe it's part of the wiring we have to seek out carbohydrate sources when available. And I think there is a bit of a, of a neurotransmitter um, benefit when we eat them. So I think we, there's a, a feedback loop that if we eat this, we feel better, therefore we, we want more. The comfort food kind of thing. And obviously, I think a lot of it's culture. You know, we, you and I grew up on cold cereal and bread yeah. and pasta, macaroni and cheese. That's just how we grew up. That's the definition uh, of comfort food, right? It, it, it is, yeah. You know, um, you know, waffles, yeah, that kind yeah. of waffles, pancakes. Oh, and I love pancakes and waffles. Um, but I think if you had a hunter gatherer tribe and, and you gave them a, you know, a, a buffet of, of waffles and pancakes and, and toe and English muffins, and, and you know, I don't think they would find it as nearly as appealing as, as you or I do. And I think that's more of a cultural thing, mm. you know, um, doesn't mean they wouldn't need it. And it doesn't mean they wouldn't come to love it because I mean, pancakes are delicious. Right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're just, that's just, it is, you know, it's, it, is, is it because we just think they are or because our brains are wired to seek out carbohydrate sources when available. I think it's a little bit of both. Right. So um, I think addiction is too strong of a word, but I think, um, uh, I wouldn't say, I think a preference is too light of a word. I think it's somewhere in between. Okay. Okay. That, that's fair. That's fair. Maybe a, you know, an adaptation or a, you know, something that, that we're, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Which is great news. Cause it's, that means that ultimately it is something that we can control. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, a, a, you know, once you make yourself acclimated to not eating them all the time, which is a, a, a you know, difficult thing. Now, you know, the white, white, white uh, knuckle and cold turkey, you can just ease them out of your everyday meals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I recommend. Unless somebody's like, if someone comes to me and goes, Hey, my doctor says, if I don't lose, you know, 60 pounds in the next four months, I'm going to have a hard day to die. Well, that's an extreme case. So we would do, you know, really extreme. It would be basically a medical intervention, but someone's like, Hey, you know what? I, I just kind of want to change my lifestyle. I'd like to lose a few pounds over the next few months. Well, you said, you, again, it's not that carbs are bad or bread is bad. It's just that as a food source, the nutritional value per the calories ingested is just not a very good exchange. Yeah. So I, I always recommend eating nutrient dense foods, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, above ground vegetables, uh, lean meats, um, you know, fruits in um, moderation, because most of like, like, as you mentioned, most fruits today are nothing like what their original ancestors are. Um, so there's fiber and there's some vitamins, but, you know, there's a lot of sugar because they're bred that way. Because mm-hmm. a big juicy right. apple sells better than a hard sour apple right. if you're going to eat it as a, as a fruit. Like, now that you're baking, it's a different story. Yeah. Well, because that you're adding a bunch of brown sugar usually then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So a couple of things I want to discuss is, is um, you know, before I let you go, and again, thank you for your time, Daryl. You, you yeah. have a program that you're going to be launching uh, relatively soon, I think. Mm-hmm. But by the way, you have, I think, the best tagline of, of any fitness coach, which is, I, if I get this right, healthy, happy, harder to kill. Is it, did I say that right? Yeah. I want you to be healthier, happier, harder to kill. That's right. And you're, (laughs) and you're, and you're launching soon a new, um, improved. I am harder to kill program. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I've been doing instructional videos in in Krav Maga and Jiu Jitsu for a long time, mostly in-house for my, my members to like, Hey, here's a technique we worked on in class. Here's a video of me teaching it so you can refresh it. And you know, they're, they're, they're fine. And people do this all the time. You You can grab an iPhone or an Android phone and shoot a pretty good video. But what I wanted to do is, is have a, a, a premium product for those who uh, you know, either um, want to go deeper into what I'm training them or folks who don't have access to what I'm 
you know, they are geographically, or you know, or maybe they're, they, you know, maybe people are immunocompromised to the point where they, they don't want to be around out and about. <clears throat> so um, I've hired a team of videographers to we're going to shoot the instructional series and really do some really nice nice editing and make it really uh, not just useful but you know more aesthetically pleasing and better angles and you know better audio. Uh, the, the technology for that is is pretty you know uh, ubiquitous now. Uh, and in YouTube channels that I run, I try to have a good presentation. Again, you know, content is great, and you can shoot, take your iPhone in your car and shoot a good video. But I want to provide a really good product, and we'll have different tiers. We'll have you know tiers at a very low level where you can just kind of like see some videos. Then we'll have middle tiers where basically you know you have the video access, but we'll do live streams, you know, or Zoom classes, and you know where my team or myself will train you on. And then we'll have uh, the, the two premium tiers, which is kind of cool. We're going to be doing events in my academy here in San Diego uh, where you can come and train and you can do it virtually or you can do that in person. We're to really deep dive into uh, mostly Krav Maga. I mean, we do some jujitsu too, but the jujitsu I, I teach primarily is oriented around self-protection. Although there's nothing wrong with, you know, competitive jujitsu. I think that's a lot of fun too. But, you know, I, I want to really focus on what I think is the most important. And I got into martial arts because I wanted to protect myself and teach others to protect myself. That's why I teach. Um, and I've done a lot of competition and I did a lot of the artistic stuff because that's kind of what was available at the time. My real passion is, is helping people learn these skills to provide, uh, you know, a skill set to, to save themselves from danger or those in their sphere of influence. Fantastic. Yeah. I'd really recommend, you know, checking out his, his website and also his YouTube channels. He's got uh, two YouTube channels. Uh, where would people find you on YouTube, Daryl? The, the channel that I've been running for uh, the longest time is IYC Coach, so youtube.com slash IYC Coach. Uh, that is where I kind of go over some fitness, some self-defense, some mindset related to our, my coaching program in, in the academy. And the new channel is going to be called Protect and Lead Men's Mentorship. I mean, it's out there now, but we're still building it. And that really focuses on, on men's issues specifically um, about the state of, of the modern man where, you know, they're, they're not in shape. They don't know how to protect the family, really. Um, they're, they don't understand the human nature of themselves or females or how those two work together. Um, and, and the leadership skills that are required not only as the leader of your own family, but if you want to be the leader of others. Uh, you know, one of my favorite phrases is like, you know, if you, if you wonder if you're a leader, look over your shoulder. If there's no one there, you're just taking a walk. Right. You know, and... Uh, so leadership skill, I think, is, is super important and underrated in today's society because, you know, people just turn well, the TV and, and do it. And still, because we know. don't have a lot to, I think there is a huge leadership gap. And, and because we don't have great leadership, we mistake leadership for its counterfeit, which is manipulation, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and um, well, I, I won't get too much into it, but, but, but we, we mistake the, the, the false um you know, false leadership for the real thing, which is which is true mentorship mm -hmm. um, and and influence. Yeah, I think the word you hit there is mentorship. And so my goal of this of the second channel is to provide a mentorship. Because you know, I did a lot of as a, as a, as a man because that's what I am. Um, growing up, I had a real lack of mentorship. I mean, in my personal life and and in my um, my but was as a, as a professional where I first started realizing the value of mentorship. And I'm thinking like, gosh, there's so, several things that I've learned 
through hard knocks and stupid decisions and, and catastrophic mistakes that could have easily been avoided had I, had I had a strong mentor. So that's where this comes from. So my hope is with the channel is uh, I can educate men, young men, men, middle-aged, even older men, because there's a lot of material out there that, um, you know, it's, it used to be common sense and now it's not, and now it's hard to find it or it's, or it's demonized. And um, it's, it's useful skills of how to navigate through life as a man. And, you know, if you're a woman, it would be useful to understand the man's point of view. Cause I think one of the biggest problems we have in our interpersonal dynamics is a, is a massive, massive lack of understanding of, of human nature. And that's nature of man, the nature of woman and the nature of the intersection of the two. And I think we have this, this belief that, you know, we just all start with a blank slate and we are um, a creation of the mold society. And that's a very common refrain nowadays. And it's not accurate at all, but it's, 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 uh, was perpetuated. So, uh, and it's not, it's not like there's no truth to that because it definitely is. So my goal is that is to provide a, a, a resource, uh, an actionable resource, you know, for men to uh, make better decisions or at least have the information to make better decisions so they can avoid some of the stupidity that I went through. And I'm sure, you know, we all have, yeah. supposed to get to a certain age. Um, and and so there, there is a lack of mentorship. There's a lack of fathers in the homes. There's a lack of, well, and there's, and then there's a lack of really good quality fathers, you know, yeah. because when you are building a foundation of men and it comes from a generation and after generation where the, the leadership isn't there, you know, or it's subverted, um, you're going to have issues. And, uh, you know, uh, I think masculinity is an important part of society and it needs to be brought in a light that's useful and helpful and, uh, you know, makes the whole of society a better place. You know, there's a, a, um, a scholar, I wish I could remember her name. It's her first name starts with the C, her last name starts with the P, I think. Anyway, but she's a, she's a feminist, full on, you know, feminist, um, probably you wouldn't call her a third wave feminist, um, but, but she is, you know, she, she is a, you know, anybody who would read her work would say, yeah, she is a feminist in every way, but she makes the comment that every society, um, you can tell when a society is about to fall because they lose their sense and they lose their appreciation for masculinity. And mm -hmm. I think, um, we're seeing that, um, today. Um, because because there is a role that needs to be filled and and there is a um you know when we, it, 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 it it's a balancing act it, it's yeah. it's it's that it's that if you tip too far one way um then something is being lost something is 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 not being fulfilled and and it's always going to be a matter of like there is no true balance like it, it's always going to be tipping one way or the other but we always have to be aware of that balance and mm -hmm. and right now we're certainly tipping um in the in the in the direction of you know either um feminist ideals or or even uh non-gender ideals and i and and while those are real issues they can really like tip the scale where we're missing the bigger picture well yeah it goes back to like how we're wired i mean there's a reason there's differences and they're both roles are very very important and neither one should be minimized but but it's um you know, there's definitely been a shift and, and we're starting to reap, you know, what we've sown. You know, you have so many generations where this, where the lack of mentorship is, is apparent, you know, and so when you, you, you have masculinity that's mis, 
and, and you know, guys are misinterpreting action as masculinity when it's, you know, it's not helpful or useful because they didn't have a mentor to show them that this is how, this is what, a, what we would like a man to be. And this is what kind of actions you should take. And this is the kind of actions you should avoid. And this is the kind of person you should look for as a mentor and as a partner. And, you know, and, and those things just aren't being taught. You're, they're kind of defaulting to what's left floating around in the, you know, the aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, and we'll definitely put links to those things in the show notes. Daryl, thanks so much for your time. My I, pleasure. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. You're the, you know, official fitness guru of Andifil <laughs> Remains. So. Well, thank you. I, I hope I can live up to that moniker. <laughs> you you already guess. have. So right. I, I appreciate it, man. We'll we'll talk to you soon. And and everyone, this has been Mike Levitt. We've been talking to you, Coach Daryl Johnson of In Your uh, In Your Corner Fitness. And in your corner listen- coaching actually this fitness is obviously a big part that we actually do more oh okay in in your corner coaching that's Uh, correct thank you uh again you can find those links in the show notes and you've been listening to and if love remains